Hello and welcome to the Sacred Adventure Begin podcast, where we share stories and practices about discovering your purpose, developing your spiritual awareness and gifts, healing from a holistic place, and boldly sharing your unique expression in the world. I'm your host, Emily. I'm a former professor, now spirituality and meditation teacher who is obsessed with living a life filled with joy, authenticity, and community connection. It is my pleasure to share this space and these stories with you today. Let's begin. Hello, everyone. I am really happy to get this interview out to you. <laughs> um, I am interviewing a breathwork and somatic healing practitioner named Karishma Donde. She is in LA, I think, <laughs> currently. Um, but does do work all over the U.S. and abroad, and she is an amazing breathwork facilitator and practitioner. I had a wonderful healing, clearing energy session with her where we did breathwork and she did Reiki and then brought through some messages that were really helpful and healing to me during the session. So I really enjoyed working with her and can speak to the quality of her work. Not only that, but she has an incredibly relatable story. And I think you're going to enjoy listening to how she pivoted through the different stages of her life and then how she came up with her idea for Breathwork Society and how she's using the lessons that she learned in each of the stages of her life to apply them to what she is doing now. So Krishma started Breathwork Society in order to help people heal through their own breath and other somatic healing practices. Mental health awareness and access is at the core of Krishma's life mission. She believes that everyone has the right to know how to heal themselves through preventative care practices. Being a first-generation immigrant, she recognized that there were cultural constructs that were holding her back from living her wildest dreams, and now helps others to live their own empowered lives by breaking free of their own cultural standards, people-pleasing, perfectionism, perfectionism, <laughs> I don't know what perfectionism is, <laughs> that was my bad, and high-performing anxiety through coaching, facilitating workshops, and breath work. Natural medicine, chakras, Ayurveda were a part of her cultural upbringing, and she loved it so much that she would unofficially give her friends and other family members advice on living a healthier lifestyle. This lifestyle and off-the-books mentoring taught her how to lead with her intuition and create individualized healing plans for her clients. As I mentioned, I was very blessed and on the receiving end of one of these sessions, I do know that Karishma and another friend of mine, uh, Brittany, are running retreats now, so you all should totally check them out. All of the links, if you're interested in what she's talking about and you just can't wait, um, all the links are in the show notes, so you can find that there and follow along as we go. Here's Karishma. Welcome, Karishma, to the Sacred Adventure Begin podcast. I am so happy to have you here. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, can you start by telling the audience a little bit about who you are, maybe where you are in the world and uh, what you're doing in the world? Yes. So I'm Karishma. I am a breathwork coach who works with spirit, the chakras and breath to clear the mind and help you unlock your limitless potential. And I live in Los Angeles, California. 
That is so much. Um, <laughs> limitless potential. I love it. So are you working with people in groups or in one-on-one -on -one in this format? I do group clearings. Um, but then if you book a one-to-one -one with me, it's way more personalized. We do intuitive readings and get really laser focused on what the actual issue is because sometimes people come to me with what they think the issue is and then that's not actually the thing. Oh my gosh, so yes. <laughs> we really get deep into what that is. So I do both. Cool. Um, all right. I have to ask this because I, you said it, um, but it's also in your bio. How, how are you combining like chakra work with intuitive work with breath work? What does that even look like? Yeah. So the really cool thing that I have learned about chakras recently is the difference between the new age and the Vedic version of chakras. Well, the Vedic version of chakras is actually come from and evolved from tantric yoga, which in our world, we associate with sex and sex healing and things like that. However, in those times, which was 500 BC or earlier, it was actually a moving meditation where there was no teacher in the front. The teacher actually stood in the back and kind of gave you direction, but let your body move with what the teacher, what you thought the teacher said to you. And it was from this moving yoga meditation modality that chakras were first born. In the new age movement, we really use use such definition around it. We have certain mantras we say with it. We have certain colors that we say with it. And the only real thing that's from the Vedic era is one of the channels that's open. So right now we see the seven chakras in the new age system. And that's because all of our somatic traumas, stuck emotions, things like that happen on our spine. In the Vedic era, we had multiple channels. We had at least three that we know that are documented in Sanskrit that came from the right side, the left side, and the center, but that all connects back into the center. And so I really like to combine both of these methodologies in order to unblock your stuck emotions and feelings. And I've developed breath patterns because breath work is an energetic clearing tool. It's been used number one healing modality in the world, been used for decades, civilizations for this exact reason. And the reason I combine the two is because the chakras are on the somatic spine. That's where all of our feelings are. Breath work is known to heal any of our traumas and our stuck emotions. And it helps me to really get to the root of what your issue is. And it's not just one breath pattern, which I really like. And I think clients really enjoy that too, because when you go into a breathwork session, normally you're just doing one breath pattern continuously and in a cycle. Whereas in this, each chakra in our channel has a different breath pattern. So we're clearing different things. We're unblocking different things. And as that's clearing, I'm getting downloads of what's happening. And so in the beginning, we start with an intuitive reading of like, is this really 
what you want to focus on. We get super laser focused on what that is. Then we move into like the exact chakras that we feel like are blocked. And then after that, there's a recap on whatever came up for me um, regarding your chakras and any downloads that you had. Oh my gosh. There are so many sections of this that I want to like tap on, but can we like, can we have a moment where you, you just receive my permission to like totally brag about your gifts for a second? Because I, um, I think people hear like downloads or intuitive messages when they're doing healing work. And I think they maybe have an idea of what that is, but they don't really know. And I'll give an example of this. I've been doing Reiki on people. And this is, I think what you're saying when you're doing healing work and you're tuned in and you're tuned into what's happening. Sometimes I can like run my hands over, uh, like not touching the body over the space above the body and be like, there was an injury here. You had an injury in your hip and this is when it happened. And these are the emotions around it. And now let's move them. And it's like, all of a sudden the person's like, oh my God, that did happen. (laughs) I didn't realize that I was stuck in that pattern. And like, you know, we, we talk it through. So like, what kind of things come up for you when that's going on? Or like, what, what, what's maybe like something cool that you noticed or an example you can give of that? I think intuition is such a crazy thing. Yeah because it communicates to all of us differently. And it took me a very long time to understand what this was for me. And for me, what happens is that old stories kind of pop up for me in my mind. And for a long time, I thought that was just like me zoning out in sessions. Yeah. Not paying attention. I was yelled at all the time when I was a kid for daydreaming. Did you get that? People would be like, stop daydreaming. I'm like, no. Daydreaming, talking too much, telling yes. too many stories. Talking to yourself. Kind of my MO. <laughs> yeah, talking to myself is huge. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Me too. Um, but what I noticed is I see like these stories that kind of happened in my life where I'm like, oh, like something with a former coach or, you know, something else. And I always took that to be my mind wandering. And so one time I was like, no, there's a lesson in this story. Like, mm-hmm. This is how spirit is communicating to me is through my own experiences and my own stories. And they want me to communicate this lesson to this person. And I'd never done it before. So I tried it in one of my client sessions and they were like, yeah, that's super accurate. Like, how did you know that? Yeah. Um, And so it's just very interesting because I don't think a lot of us, when we talk about our intuitive gifts, everyone has intuitive gifts. Yep. We just have to know how they're communicating to us. You know, some of it's like heightened emotions. Some of it's like, you feel something physically for me, it's like these stories. So it all really just depends. And it's, it's like an instant. So like with the stories for me, for example, if I don't hone in on that story and like pick up what that story was trying to teach me in my own life or whatever that might be, Mm-hmm. then I'll lose it. Like I'll forget what the story even was like 30 seconds later. Yep. So I think it's just like about being like hyper aware. Yes. Um, and I feel, I really feel like one of the things that helped me a little bit, or like one of the only things I remember from like a human design reading that I had was that I have like an open head or mm-hmm. like an open mind. And so a lot of the thoughts that come in aren't my own. 
And that has been hugely valuable for me to know uh-huh. because now I'm like in different situations and I'm like, wait, but that's not actually what I think. Like that's something that needs to be spoken about or said, you know? So I think just like knowing all these little things and then really taking the time to figure out like what your intuition is saying and how it's speaking to you really matters um, in this scenario. Well, it can be so powerful for the person that you're doing the breath work with too, because sometimes I feel like it's really validating for them. Like they'll sense that a lot of energy is moving or they'll know something is wrong and they can't quite put their finger on it. And then you come through with the example of it. And it's like, whoa, it opens so many doors. It affirms that feeling for them. It helps them process it. Like all of that is going on, which is really cool. I also, I... I'm going to have to take a breathwork class with you because now I am like next level fascinated. <laughs> so in yoga school, we did a lot of like pranayam um, and like, you know, breathing. And then I've done the breath work, the open mouth breath work. That's the pattern that you do for like, I think the most I've ever done it for is an hour. And that was like super exhausting, but also like afterward, it was so clearing and energizing and amazing. Um, so I'm really curious to know what the different chakras are and how you're doing the breath work with them and how you walk people through that. And I, I guess, I guess I'm trying to ask a question. Um, maybe could you talk a little bit more about like what that's like for folks? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We can do an example too. Um, so every breath that we have has an associated emotion. Similarly, every chakra that we have has an associated something that we've stored in that area. Now, we kind of know what each one is, like depending on what system you're looking at. In the Vedic times, they wanted to give more openness towards that. So something interesting that I have learned from my lineage of learning with the chakras is in the new age theory, the way that we have the mantras like lamb, 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 or Ram, whatever that looks like. Yeah, Lam. <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. All those mantras are not actually associated with the chakras. It's actually associated with the elements of earth. So earth, wind, fire, space. One of the teachings that really sat with me was the one for the heart chakra. Well, the heart chakra, as we know it today, and as people study it and preach it today, the mantra is actually associated with the wind element. And so my teacher was saying, our heart is the most, one of the most precious because that's where our opening happens. That's where our receiving happens. That's where our abundance happens. That's where our emotional processing happens. So if you start saying a mantra that's associated with wind, you're going to feel more flighty. You're not going to feel more secure in your answers. You're not going to feel more grounded in your answers because you're putting wind in your heart. Yeah. And sometimes, yeah, sometimes that can be good for like, you know, I want a ton of ideas and I need ideas and I I don't feel like this creative edge or whatever that might be. But if you're looking for, you know, healing, 
you're not going to get that from wind energy. You're going to get that from earth energy, yep. right? You're going to get it from feeling healing from the earth. And I just thought that that was really interesting because in the system that I've kind of developed, I don't use these, the, the traditional mantras. And it made me feel a lot better because it made me think like, yeah, I do want to give people the freedom to feel what they want to feel. And so the breath allows me to get into those really deep states to then clear out that energy. So I'm going to give you an example for heart. Um, so the breath pattern I generally use for heart is called the VU breath. So you inhale through the nose and then the exhale is just VU. And you take as long as you need on the exhale. And the VU breath will vibrate in that area and actually feel very comforting mm -hmm. after you do it a few times. So I like that. Yeah. So it really get, gives you like that grounding, also clearing any blockages that you have related to what you're trying to create, to abundance, to love, to self-love, um, all these things. And I do want clients to have their own downloads of what they're doing versus me being like, this is about self-love. So like, mm -hmm. what is it about self-love that's, you know, like the heart gives you so much more information. You know, we say the heart has its own intelligence. I'm sure you've heard that in Reiki and it's just so true. It's like, if we can't tap into our heart, getting to our intuition is going to be impossible. Yeah. A hundred percent. Actually, um, I feel like I feel like there's a lot of people out there who, especially empaths, like feel like their emotions are out of control or they're all over the place and they're judging that. But actually, I think when you start letting yourself feel the emotion all the way, the, my emotions, my heart is like the kind of, I think of it as like threads, like what you're talking about, where you're given a memory that relates to the person. It's like, it, it hits a chord. The chord goes into my internal knowing, but it comes in through the feeling. And yeah. so, it, yeah. It's really interesting, but I wrote this down really big and then I wrote it down again. So I'm going to reflect this to us when you were talking about the teacher being in the back of the room for the Vedic thing. And then you said, you really want people to tap into, um, to have space for what they want to feel and what they want to know and to tune into their own thing. Having the teacher in the back makes you tune into your body to, to do the thing correctly or not even correctly. You're, you're only asking, how does this feel? How does this feel with the sound of what they said? Like you're tuning into yourself there. And I thought that was so not what we do today. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I feel very sad about yoga culture in mm. today's world um, because it's so associated with like having the perfect body. Mm -hmm. or having a yoga body. Yep. And I was somebody who struggled, like had an eating disorder and struggled with that part of, of growing up in that culture and being like a Bikram yoga addict. Mm -hmm. Yes, it cleared my mind, but I went mainly because I thought that I would have this like perfect body, like all this stuff, you know, it would get me all these different things if I had the perfect body. And so hearing and learning all of these different teachings of like where it actually came from in the Vedic system, 
makes me feel and think that yoga is actually supposed to be a more empowering and free kind of teaching you know it's not supposed to be you know like oh I can twist and that's really cool and um you know about flexibility like it's never about that it's about it really is about like having a moving meditation practice and um coming out with clarity and downloads and all the things that we desire and want yeah, like an exploration or like a bringing of the awareness into all the parts of experience, like the body, the mind, the soul. Yeah, that's totally. theoretically what we say it is. But then you get on Instagram and you're like, okay, yoga is contortionism. Got it. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I had one teacher who was like, yoga in the new age, where it's like people spend hours trying to do like the crow. Yeah. Okay. I'm not hundred percent sure what that is. And he was like people who like spend 30 minutes in these classes trying to get this position, like hopping up and down and like, mm-hmm. you know, focusing all their mind on that. He was like, they've completely missed the point of yoga. And I was like, wow. Like that was just like a. Bam. Bam. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> But also like, I, yeah, <laughs> we, we all need something to make us feel good. So, <laughs> but yeah. also that's just not how I want to do it. So curious, um, how did you get started into all of this? Um, well, the easy story is that, um, I had an eating disorder since age 10, was on diets and diet binge for a really long time. Uh, Deeper answer is really like my own relationship to my culture and not being able to fully fit in with one or the other. And Mm -hmm. so trying all these different mechanisms like diets were my way of trying to fit in to the culture. And I think I was really externalizing how my connection to my culture. So it is a big deal right now for women to look a certain way, have a certain type of skin tone, and everything is really chalked up to marriage. So like, who's going to marry you if you're dark? Who's going to marry you if you're overweight? Like that's Mm -hmm. a consistent narrative for females. And that's what perpetuates diet culture coming from an Indian background and household. But it's not any better in on my American culture either. And my American diet diet. culture, no, (laughs) not diet culture. (laughs) Yeah. So just continually perpetuated. So like when I would go on diets, my family would go on diets, my friends would go on diets. So it was just, it was never like, I always say like, nobody was ever like, you're perfect as you are. Yeah. You look great as you are. Like you don't need any of these things. And it got to a point where I was just like, what is the point of all of this? But I didn't know where to go because everybody around me was also dieting or also yeah. doing waist trainers 
You or know? if you talk to a nutritionist, they'll be like, let's balance this equation, which also can end up in exercise bulimia. Like, so you can eat this, but then you have to go do that. Or you And it is, uh, sorry, per- speaking from personal experience here, my husband okay. and I were like discussing that last night. And I was like, I don't, I, I've definitely been on really restrictive diets, which I'm f- done with. I'm so done with diets and diet culture. Yeah. But, yeah. But like, I was looking at it and I was like, I probably, I still, I think in the back of my head am running the balancing equation thing. And yeah, that's not healthy either. Like it isn't, you're, you're getting it in both directions. And there's also, I mean, even, even in Western culture, uh, maybe not, definitely not as much as an in Indian culture, but there's always the like, uh, good marriages are scarce. And finding someone to love you is hard. And it's even harder if you're not like size two with blonde hair and a contortionist yogi. Like, (laughs) absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like in doing that, so like the first thing was really trying to get answers for that, which I found through Sam Skelly. I mean, literally saved my life, I would say, um, doing her program. Her big belief is in somatic healing. Um, so she has a life, life coaching certification program. She also does a breathwork coaching program or breathwork facilitation program. And through that, ironically, I find that I'm really running away from my culture because I don't want to end up in a marriage I hate mm-hmm. because I grew up in a family where I didn't feel like they loved being married because they Mm -hmm. were arranged and so I feel like my big question my my existential crisis was like (laughs) why do arranged marriages exist why did my parents get arranged why was I brought up in an arranged marriage household Mm -hmm. why was I treated like the therapist like I (laughs) I feel like I was didn't want to be in that situation so I was just like running from it and I'm like there has to be something more to life than an arranged marriage like and that's so like I refused to move back home after college I you know like I just kept running and running and I felt like I ended up in a miserable spot because running from that even though it got me into like a great job and a powerful position in corporate yep I hated it you know and I think taking this Sam Skelly's programs and starting to do these like more somatic healing practices, even though I was a little resistant to it in the beginning, like opened up my eyes because breathwork is an experience that compounds on itself. So the first few times you do it, you'll feel stress and anxiety relief. But after that, I mean, the world's your oyster. Like you can time travel, you can get all types of answers. Oh, oh my God. Every time I do breath work, I have visions and they're intense and I, I leave my body and go other places and it's, it's fun. <laughs> yeah. And it's, yeah. it's just an experience. And I just feel like I had this like intense download one time of just like coming from this like lineage of witches of like my mom's dad was like seen as this like saint and everybody loved him and seek salvage from him and my mom was saying like when he died at his funeral there were like thousands of people like he was really considered like the saint of of where they lived and on my dad's side you know we had a an ancestor who kind of dabbled a little bit in black magic and 
you know, didn't necessarily like love my mom. And there were all these things and like this whole experience and breath work comes together of like, you're this spawn of like this really powerful lineage and you have to choose how you're going to show up. You're going to have to choose where your spirit guides come from and whose advice you're going to be taking because Mm -hmm. for a long time, what I feel like people don't realize is that black magic and the darker road is easier. It's easier to fall into. It's easier to find. It's um, easier to go very deep, very quickly. And I learned that being in the music industry a little bit and that didn't sit right with me. And so the light is always the more challenging path because it's going to make you confront everything. It's going to make, for me, make me confront my ancestors, my lineage, like, you know, like the darkest of the dark things that probably don't even belong to you. And you have to decide, like, is this worth it? How am I going to serve? How am I going to show up? And so I think breathwork really like started that path for me. And then I got deeper into the lineage and the ancestor work. And all of a sudden chakras came down and I was like, oh, this is amazing. And I started learning about that and that lineage and getting teachings from that. And I just kept going deeper into the work. And I wrote this story yesterday that was like, one day I woke up and like Sahara Rose's yogic path just started talking to me because yeah I read that I loved that that gave me a chuckle (laughs) (laughs) like and it was the weirdest thing because I've had that deck for a year and I'd only bought it to support Sahara and like I'd seen her at like one of her goddess things that she had done in person before the pandemic and she'd convinced me to buy it and I was like okay like I've never done card readings but I'll buy it to support (laughs) you and then one morning it was just like this whisper like open it, read it, do it, practice it. And I really think it's because so much of her deck is all about the Indian culture and the yep. lineage and so many of my spirit guides are in this deck and they guide me. And um, so it became much deeper than where it started. The, um, for the listeners who might want to know this, the a yogic path deck also is a really great way to get to know like baseline yoga philosophy, uh, and a little bit about Ayurveda and some of the like words that you encounter on your path. And it's a good way to start developing a personal relationship with them. So if you're trying to memorize them, it's like, it, it's fun. <laughs> it's personal. I, I love that deck. Um, that's so yeah. funny. <laughs> yeah, it's the only deck I have. It's the only one I use. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, oh there, okay. There's so much I won't have questions about. So when you were in corporate America, when you were doing a little bit of your running, you were in the music industry. Yeah. So I would work nine to five and then at night, I would hustle in the music industry and I had a producer friend who was kind of my partner um, in, in the industry. He had some connections and things like that. And we kind of like built this thing together. We opened a company together. Um, I wanted to, you know, be more in management and things like that on the music side. Cause I wanted to be surrounded by music. I grew up with music, love music. Um, that's my Do you sing or play any instruments? I used to play piano um, and my big thing was writing. Like I used to love writing lyrics. Like I'm obsessed with lyrics. I used to write poems. I always used to joke that I wanted my own mixtape 
because I love yes. hip hop music. Um, <laughs> I'm so, so into this. <laughs> that's what got me started. And we climbed to a level together. Um, we had made so many connections because he was a teacher. So he would, we would meet after he was done and I was, I worked nine to five. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's what the original reason I moved to LA was to do music full time. Um, and like growing up, all I wanted was a recording studio. I was, that was like my dream. I wanted to call it effing records. I had like a whole thing. Like I designed my own shirt. <laughs> I like, love this so much. I was like totally <laughs> into this. And then, you know, there's just parts of the industry I don't love. Yeah. It's very um, shady. It's hustly. It's there's a lot of power, unhealthy power hierarchies in it too. Definitely like. power hierarchies. There's very weird ways that the industry wants to maintain control of people who do even have, um, you know, audiences. Like that's that's the main one of the main tenets of getting signed today. Is like, do you already have an audience of mm. people that we can like tap into because they're losing money with digital? Um, and me and my partner fundamentally disagreed on one of the things and we got in a huge argument because I was like, I don't want to be involved in that. And he was like, well, if it gets me on the map, like, why wouldn't I be involved in it? Like, yeah. we'd already been hustling for like years before I had come in. Yep. And I was like, it just doesn't sit right with me. And um, at the time I had started a little bit of healing, like, my mom had found like this psychic. I mean, I used to call her the good witch. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> <I love that. laughs> and she did a reading for me and she was like, if you do not leave this industry, you are going to end up in prison, which I had already had visions of. Like I was yeah. like, either I've already been in prison, but they're very vivid. I'm very scared of this one thing. And um. I'm also terrified of like kidnappings and things like that, which is very prevalent in the music industry. And I just was like, I did not know that. That is nuts. I don't want to be (laughs) in that. So like I quit immediately after that reading. Um, And it was, it was hard. Like, yeah, probably the hardest breakup over love, you know, over any relationship that I've had was leaving the industry because then I was like, well, now what am I going to do? You know, then it became again, like this search for purpose. Like, yeah. Okay. Well now what's my purpose? Purpose, money, security, and like that, like idea for the future. Like you're, you're putting a creative outlet. Like all of it was just Mm -hmm. gone. Gone. Yep. Uh, Well, at least you had the breath work to fall back on (laughs) to use to help you through it. So okay. music industry, if we put this into perspective, music yeah. industry was like 2010 or 2011 to like 2013. And Breathwork wasn't until 2017. So there was like a big gap there of like, what am I going to do? And who do I turn to? Where do I go? Will music ever be the same for me? I mean, like literally unlearning everything, yep. relearning new things, doing healings, um, just all types of things. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad that you brought this up. Well, first off, 
I finished grad school in 2011 and there were no, a lot of the places were cutting their art programs and there, and it was a recession. There were no positions available to even apply for if I wanted to be a professor. And so I worked in the mall (laughs) in 2011 (laughs) with a fucking terminal degree, like professor level education. And I am working at the mall. Number one, (laughs) I think people, I think people forget, I did eventually become a full-time professor. Like it it took time to get there and and now in the healing arts. And it sounds like you're that way too. Like I started in this industry. I ended up in a lot of different industries and now I'm doing healing work. I think people find the healing work and they're like, this is so healing. This is all I want to (laughs) do. And they forget that they're like, there's weird places in the journey where you have to figure shit out. And the solutions that you find, like working at the mall, aren't always, and by the way, listeners, there's nothing wrong with working in the mall if you really like people. I just don't like retail at all. Like, it's not my thing. I love people. I don't like selling them things. And so, (laughs) like... It was not, it was not a good position for me. So I think that it's, thank you for telling me about that. <laughs> so what yeah. all, what all was the in-between? Cause that's a big gap. 2011 to 13 was the music. And then it was f- uh, four years, five years before you started yeah. with a breathwork practice. Yeah. So I, in between, like I always had corporate. So I was working in, um, in like tech on the technology side. So my job was um, like project coordinator, project manager, and then eventually. <laughs> oh yeah. And yeah. then, I mean, I've had, so in corporate, I have, I've had 10 different jobs before I finally called it quits. And that was like one of the jobs that I had, I met a mentor and he was like, he was he was very transparent about his money Mm -hmm. and he taught me a lot of skills. And one of the biggest skills he taught me was, which I loved was if you continue to jump jobs, right. There's like this stigma around being like a contractor, all these things you can make just like leaps in your money. Yes, you can. So I literally went from living check to check to making like multiple six figures in like a year and a half ah that's amazing and I know and I feel like a lot of people don't feel like they can do it and I always like my friends would always be like you've got the most amazing jobs like you have the best career but I never liked that career because it was never permanent in my head because in my head I was like to me a success is having my own business Like that was always my thing. So that's where like entrepreneurship really plays a role. And so I always had different side hustles regardless of what I'm doing. So corporate was my backbone. It was never permanent in my mind. It paid my bills, made me a lot of cash. I made a lot of good contacts Mm -hmm. uh, like later, like the later ones. Cause then I met like my biggest thing was I never had a boss I liked in any Mm -hmm. of my jobs. I've been there. One of the jobs that I had, I loved my boss and he ended up taking me to like three different jobs with him. And he was the VP of our department and he was a super technical guy. So I'm not a technical person, right? 
he did all the tech stuff and I ran the other half of the department. So I did like his budgets. I did, you know, any communications that had to go to the department. Anytime there were like fights or whatever in the team, like I was the one who had to go solve it or go talk to like other managers and other departments. And like only if he needed to be called on, like was he called on? So that gave me like some stability, but in that time, I really lost myself in my job. And the one thing that I started doing was overworking big time. Like at one point I was just consistently working. And if you hadn't known me then, all we would be talking about would be my job because (laughs) like this boss really believed in me. He invested in me. He sent me to training programs. He told me different things to study. Um, And all those things were great because I take them now. Like they all have a place in my heart that serve their purpose in my coaching practice, serve my purpose in healing arts. So I'm super grateful for that. But like some of the side hustles that I've done, I sold bumper stickers on Etsy. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Can we just like be best friends? (laughs) Yes, done. (laughs) Check. Um, I had a t-shirt line, um, that I, that I tried to do through like Printful. Um, I convinced my boss to start a business with me with one of our other like managers who was like super into innovation and new tech and no, like that one was like, nobody really wanted to invest, but it was Eh, like there, you know? And then I was like, oh, maybe I can do just like presentations for people. So I tried to like pitch that. Um, I entered a, um, a competition for an app for like when the app idea that we had was called Baby's World, um, where it was like for low income moms to like make a community and like find op- job opportunities and stuff like that. We got on the top 100 list of innovators, but we didn't like get any fun for it so then that died so it's just like so many things and I think a lot of times of then I was a fashion blogger tried to do the fashion influencer thing then started hating it because like I just spent so much money on the clothes and like taking pictures as a bitch like I was gonna say and then and now we're back in the reality where we're focused on our body which is a danger zone for most of us yeah yeah I mean the whole thing was just like and I think like in my head I was like if I can just like the influencer path was more about like, if I can be the Indian Kim K and just launch anything and get Uh 10,000 people to buy it, (laughs) that's all I need in this life. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel bad. (laughs) Financial freedom at its best. Um, But that, I mean, I stayed with that for a little bit, but I did it with like my teeth clenching. Like I hated it. Yep. And I wanted to get out of it and I felt trapped in it because I built a name for myself in that industry a little bit, like not a ton, but a little bit. And I was like, how am I going to pivot out of this? Mm So I kept trying different things because I knew corporate wasn't my final destination. So I love all these side hustles. I love them so much. So you were doing this while you were working other jobs, which I think also, um, do you listen to the podcast Side Hustle Nation? 
No, but I have heard of it. I think I've listened to a few episodes. Um, it can be really broy sometimes. So like, listen at your own uh, desired uh, <laughs> amount. But um, when I was still a professor, I started listening to that. And that's what encouraged me to start um, the Lindy Hop Louisville, uh, which was swing dance courses in my hometown, because I was teaching like nationally, and like being booked out in different cities, but I didn't have anything local. And I was like, I hadn't done it because I was afraid of overwhelming myself and working too hard and all of that kind of stuff. And it was right when I was starting down a spiritual path too. And I was like, okay, so it doesn't actually have to be hard. I can manifest some of it. People can support me. I can trust other people to do things. And it's so interesting how we get like going down these paths. And then we pick up the learning that we need to like move forward. Cause I love that you said you were, you were dealing with like, um, people management and also, when you were talking about like um, that app and then trying to get the funding for it, like sometimes I think about launching things and I'm like, I just don't even know where I would go to like talk to people about funding it or what that process even looks like. And you have that kind of knowledge. Like you could do anything. Do you ever look at your life and be like, I could do anything? <laughs> I think it actually has been like, you know, in business coaching, how people are like, you have to pick a niche and you have to do like this one thing. And like, that has been the most challenging thing for me because I'm like, honest, healing arts, as you know, yeah, applies to anyone who has an open mind to try it. Yep. You know what I mean? I'm like, if you know that you, need, and then I was, then I got in my head one time where I was like, do people know what healing means? Yeah. Or do I need to like go that far too and like explain that? Like, you know, you just get really in your head about all these like business things. And so I think with a lot of the things that I look at, um, like especially online or on social or things like that, I'm always like, well, I can do that. Like, that's so easy. Like I can do that. Yep. But the thing I never account for is the time. Yep. So now I'm all about like, <laughs> what do I want to actually like expand in my life? And it's really funny because I took earlier this year, I took a digital wellness certification class, which is all mm-hmm. about how to manage your technology, like creating healthy habits with your tech. Yep. And the reason I took it was because number one, I was like, well, I was in tech for 10 years and like, I can use this as my like logical mind, you know, that type of world in life. And the second thing that the reason I took it was because I was really angry at the wellness industry and the coaches in the wellness industry who just tell their clients, like, just take a digital detox. And I'm like, that doesn't work. Like, you know, and so I was, I just wanted like more tools and more things in my tool belt. Well, there's this one pillar that they teach us about on data and security, privacy and all that stuff. So of course, like Facebook is one of the things. And there's a tool that Cambridge University has developed where you can put your data in Um, You download it in a zip file from all these different social medias and it spits out your profile. So it tells you you're Myers-Briggs. It tells you your leadership style. It tells you if they've chalked you up as a male or a female or, you know, non-binary. It'll tell you different qualities of who you are. And it's like, this is the reason you get targeted these ads. So we have access to these files, but they're not in readable format. So we don't actually know like what social media thinks of us. So this tool makes it really easy. So I thought it would be funny to make a TikTok on it. Uh 
and I'd been making TikToks for months like it was you know but I'd never gotten any like I'd never been like one of the TikTok viral people yep and then I made this video showing people how to use this tool and I think I even like cracked a joke in this video like who needs a personality test you know what I mean like something dumb because I thought it would get like 100 views yeah well fast forward to today is that like 850,000 views <laughs> different comments yeah it's like just went re-viral in different countries and others comments I don't even understand <laughs> and just getting like smeared you know like she's a hacker she just wants to collect our data this is stupid didn't you watch the thing on Cambridge Analytica <laughs> and the reason I say that's funny relating to your question is because this is like nothing related to healing arts yeah right? yeah so if you like go to my Instagram from this TikTok it's not related at all you know what I mean and I'm like but there must have been a reason that this specific thing went viral you know like am I supposed to talk about this so when you ask me the question like do you think you can do anything like you can yeah but almost it's like too broad too disconnected I don't know if that's a thing but yeah sometimes how it feels I hear a lot of the niche stuff too, because I'm an artist. I also swing dance. I make wigs. I do healing work. Like I have a yoga teaching certificate. I don't teach it that much, but sometimes I do like, and actually I think it's really great when people like us, like with a variety of backgrounds, been a professor, been a project coordinator at a um, factory that used uh, hydroponic presses to do metal stuff. Like I worked at the mall. Um, <laughs> like it almost is good though because like if I were someone who was wanting to pivot my business or go a certain way like your all of your different business experiences you would be able to advise me as a coach in addition to helping me understand like my motivations and like bolstering me through that you could also help with next steps because I think sometimes like and all therapy isn't this way, but I think people get frustrated because they'll go to the therapist looking for a solution. The therapist will keep be, like reflecting them back to them. And like, this is the power of coaching, right? And having a coach with lots of experience, not just a specialty niche is that you can come in and that coach can be like, I hear what you're saying. Have you also thought of blah or blah or blah, or let me give you the number of one of my contacts. Like, yeah. Totally. Exactly. I think the main difference is like in coaching, we really do think that everything is already inside of you and we want you to feel like not empowered for me, but empowered, like actually feel what that means for you yes. inside of you. Yes. Um, and that is like the best feeling when people connect their own dots and can really see that. And um like I, I went to therapy too. That was like my first investment in myself. I went to therapy for three years and yeah, it was insightful. Like she told me I had PTSD. She, you know, she did some techniques. She knew I didn't really want to be on medication. So mm -hmm. she supported me in that, but it really takes you to a point. Yep. And I think like the biggest difference for me post therapy that I learned to do was to suppress my emotions. It was like, okay, well, maybe I'm just not supposed to have any emotions at all. And then that led me down this whole other path, which mm -hmm. then was the whole other thing in healing arts. Like everything is emotions, as you know, as an empath. Yeah. Um, and 
we have to have emotions. (laughs) But for a long time, I would joke, like, I have no thoughts, I have no emotions, like, you know, but previous to therapy, I can remember like, crying a lot, being very depressed, and just like not knowing what to do with those emotions. So yes, is therapy, was therapy insightful for me? Yes. But healing arts, just like quantum leap, right? Totally. I I agree. Well, they're, I feel like they're good for different things, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And, (laughs) but I do love I love doing healing work and having healing practices. And also the cool, the cool thing for listeners who are listening to this is, it, is that like a healing practice is often like a sustainable, I'm not going to call it a solution, but it can be, but it's a sustainable practice that helps you shift and that you can return to over and over. It's like a safe zone that you can like be in to work with yourself in as well, which is uh, something that we're not often given in our culture. Um and is so, so, so healthy and supportive and important to be able to do ourselves. Yes. So tell me about this um, Breathwork Society you have. So Breathwork Society is a self-care club. So we take the guesswork out of self-care by curating events that enhance your mind, body, soul, and spirit. We believe that self-care is more than just face masks and bubble baths, but a moral (laughs) obligation to yourself to live a happy, healthy, and joyful life. (laughs) Um, But Breathwork Society was created to make breathwork and other practices in the healing arts more accessible and affordable for those who wanted to try it out, but didn't want the big investment of coaching because they didn't know what they were getting into Mm -hmm. and um, really feel into the medicine of the different things that we offer there. So we have like morning routines, which is great because it keeps people accountable to show up and I mean, a hundred percent of the people have reported like just feeling more productive, more focused, things like that. And I want people to have those experiences to like feel what the difference is when you have these practices, when you have embodiment practices and you have these tools at your fingertips. So that was the main reason. Okay. So it's like a membership where people can get like coaching and breathwork practices. And I'm sure you said curated events. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Like, so are you saying that people meet there every day to do morning practices? We meet at least twice a week. So wow. we have morning routine Monday and Wednesday. Um, I'm trying to find a way to do some evening routines or evening something. Um, we have moon circles every month. Um, and then we have mindset workshops every month. So we bring in guests to talk about their specialty and what their tools, what their healings are. And then we have breath work twice a month. So the first breath work is just regular breath work with a theme, mm-hmm. one breath pattern. The second breath work is a chakra healing um, in a group. And these so. are live live everything's live every month every month and every week every week every month yep this is so much (laughs) I know (laughs) that's so cool that's such a cool thing 
And then there's also, I'm assuming like a community element with it too. Yes, we have our own app that's not on Facebook. Did you um, make all this? Yeah. Oh my God, you're a genius. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, I'll take it. <laughs> I received that. Let <laughs> it wash over you. <laughs> you have your own app. That's crazy, amazing, crazy, amazing, like together. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Talk about... Um, like having a purposeful journey, like all of those skills that you got from being in tech, you can now use. Yes. I mean, you know, just thankful for my journey every day, even though when I was in it, it didn't feel easy to be thankful or grateful for it. Um, I think towards the end, I was thankful and grateful for the people that I had met and for like, my boss like really seeing potential in my mind Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and you know I was always the youngest person in my department and it was something that I battled for a really long time even when I met my boss initially it was something that I battled and of course that's what created like the overworking because I wanted to prove myself and you know all the millennial things that we struggle with but um just feeling like thankful that somebody gave me like this chance to to do all of these things like he knew that I was investing in myself and in coaches and in classes all the time and um all of that stuff and you know just feeling really grateful for being allowed to be me in a corporate environment being able to speak my mind Um, and then also gaining skills that I can now like, you know, take with me where I'm at now. Um, but yeah, when you're in it, it's harder to see, I think. It is when you don't know what's coming either. So you don't know what part of it to be thankful for. (laughs) You're just like, exactly. this is a mess. I'm doing it to get through until I figure out what's next. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. I mean, I think even things, cause like I get asked all the time, like, how do you have the energy to do the, like so many events and like, how do you come up with the ideas for the events and the themes and all that stuff. And I really do attribute that to, you know, like in my job, how many things I had to lead and how many things I had to do and how many presentations I had to make. Yep. And um, like, you know, being my boss's stand in and a lot of things, which in the beginning was very nerve wracking you know, and like I was as a project coordinator, which I don't know if you relate, like you're really, I mean, it's really a glorified assistance job in my mind. Like it was really like, turn on the projector, connect to your computer, make sure you can like do the things, make sure you're the one who can like press next. And like, I used to have so much anxiety with that, like so much, like I would want to be in the meeting room, like 20 minutes earlier, which, you know, in when we were in person, like, that's just not possible. Like people are in meetings back to back to back. So um, just like learning those types of skills that like I now put into like, yes, it's a different topic and a different subject, but so something so small that I took for granted and had so much anxiety around Mm -hmm. um, that I can just do with so much ease now. Like I don't have stress around those things, you know? Yes. I do know. Actually, it was really funny. Um, somebody took this like 
course with me and she was like oh my god this looks like so much work and it was like a 90 minute thing and I was like back when I was a professor <laughs> I used to give four 90 minute lectures a day <laughs> like, <laughs> that one that I recorded that you watched the recording of was a piece of cake <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I and I think it. like in these low level <laughs> positions that we're given in our life like that's where you learn your grit. That's yeah. where you learn the 90 minute lessons, the presentations, like all the shit that you learn in corporate, like yep. you're going to have to do that times 10 in entrepreneurship, right? So 100. when I was a project coordinator, what we did was uh, the sales people would tell us what the client needed. Then we would contact our suppliers, get a price on the supplies, contact our plant, get a price on the work, put that all together. And then we saw it all the way through. So then like if they bought, we, we saw, and then we had to build it in the system. So if any part of it went wrong, guess who they looked at? Yep. You. Yeah. But it was really interesting seeing all of the ways that a system like connects and works and, and like, especially physical product, but also like the communication lines within it too. I did auditing for a little while after that. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and I, I married an auditor. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> I mean, I feel bad for his job. I mean, he must love it. Maybe he does. He does. He's really analytical. Um, yeah. I am too, but like he, he likes to be more right than I do. <laughs> yeah. I remember they moved me for one of my earlier jobs. When I first moved to LA, they moved me from the, project management office team into the IT auditing team. Oh God, IT auditing? Hell no. Oh yeah. Like the way, like, because this, all the IT systems have to abide by security laws yep. and all those things. And so a lot of the, pro everything that I worked on in my 10 years of information technology was all about transformation. So it's like these companies that have these old and like outdated systems and computers that now have to keep up with the Ubers of the world because yeah. we as people have gotten impatient with wait time. And like, you know, when you see those like old ass login screens and you're like, yes. I'm in the 1970s, <laughs> most companies have this issue and they need to upgrade it. Yeah. So one of my projects <laughs> was that for, you know, a company in LA. And it was just like the audit part of it was just such a horrible, like I hated that job. Like, okay, so let me tell you the story. I would project, <laughs> I would be somebody who projected the, cause we had to collect business requirements of like, what do they need it to do today? Mm -hmm. um, because it was like a government company. So it's like, they have certain rules that they have to do. So we had to collect all the things like, what are you doing today? Like we called it as is processes. We were in charge of making the documents, the notes and all that stuff. But it was so boring to me. So boring. Like I hated this job that I would um, be projecting on one screen, like do the split screen. And then on my screen, I would be like G chatting all of my friends or like trying to watch different shows. And I would, Oh my God, you so and I are the trouble. same person. <laughs> so much trouble. Like, but I didn't know what else I could do to sit in like a meeting room for five hours projecting and like listening to them 
talk about systems. I was like, this is the worst job. And then they demoted me, like not in my title, but then they were like, well, because you like to do this type of shit, you're going to be the note taker. And I hate, I mean, they would audit my notes. Like somebody sat with me and was like, this is how you take notes. No. All right. But fast forward to like eight years later, did that help me? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like you don't realize when you're like in the shittiest job possible (laughs) that this is something that, you know, is a skill that's going to help you. And that's why I think like now I look at everything like, what is the lesson I'm going to take? What am I grateful for now? Like 10 years from now, is this thing going to be relevant? You know? Yeah. That was the, the auditing job I was telling you about was like, I, the mall job wasn't going to work because it was a toxic environment. So I immediately started looking for other stuff. But like I said, we were in the middle of a recession and I was overqualified for everything. So I'm like filling out forms and like lying about my education level and like all this stuff, like a high school degree. Yeah. <laughs> and this one company hired me and they promoted me to auditor because they found out when I was filling in a form from the plant that I knew how to do basic math. <laughs> they looked at the form and they were like, did you, did you make up a fraction for that? And I was like, no, like you have this whole thing to get me to this place. And all I need to do is take this number and this number and put them together. And they were like, yeah, that's all you need to do. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, and then I checked the number over here and they were like, yeah. And I was like, yeah. And they were like, okay, great. You're getting promoted now. <laughs> Oh my gosh. That's right. How but it happens. <laughs> actually, I was so bored during the auditing, I would get it done really fast. And then I would sit there and I, I didn't know how to, um, as an artist, really good at physical world, not good at tech world <laughs> or not, not good at tech world, tech world, just not experienced. And I started messing with WordPress and learning how to put a website together. And Amazing. so Yeah. And nobody could really tell that it wasn't what I was supposed to be doing because, you know, I wasn't watching TV or anything. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't, it wasn't making noise. (laughs) I was typing like I was supposed to. So anyway, uh, I learned how to do, I got a lot of web design experience at that job. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. That's like one of the only things you can do a little bit when you're in corporate, you know, you can't necessarily do sales. Like you have to block that off on your calendar but you can at least start building your website, who you are, all yep. that stuff. So yeah, totally relate to that. Figuring it all out one little step at a time. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Awesome. Well, if people wanted to work for, with you, where do they find you and what do you have going on? Yeah, so you can go to my website, karishmadande.com to find my range of services from Breathwork Society to my one-on-one coaching to all those types of things. You can also go to breathworksociety.com if you want very specific info on what Breathwork Society is. Currently, I am offering one-to-one sessions that combine intuitive readings, chakra healings, breath work, and some coaching reflection. And then you leave with like journal prompts and things to integrate. And that is a, I think I already said it, an 80 minute session. And I'm taking clients for that now, combining all of my gifts together. That's so cool. That's so cool. Well, if you had advice to give anyone who is, let me ask you for three advices. (laughs) 
advice. The first one will be for someone who is uh, unhappy in their corporate job, where to even start with that. And and then the second advice, well, I'll ask the second advice in a second. I'll let you start with that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think if you're unhappy in your current state job, the best thing you can do is try to find the spaces where you can be creative. Mm. I think that was something that was super underrated for me. There's always gaps in corporate. And a lot of people don't say anything because they feel like it's super daunting to get involved in. But shifting your focus onto something that gives you a more creative edge is just automatically going to boost your energetic levels. And I know there's going to be some people who are like, well, I don't have a voice or like, I don't have all these things. Well, in corporate, they offer a lot of different things. Um, There's ER employee resource groups you can get involved with. Um, You know, HR is always looking for help. Um, You know, there's a ton of things you can do. Like my last job, I would volunteer my time to lead breathwork sessions at work. And it just gave me a boost, you know, mm-hmm. boost of energy, something to look forward to. And so I would encourage you to push yourself to look for what those opportunities look like in your job. And if you're truly unhappy and you're like, Krishma, I really can't find <laughs> that edge or like that happiness for me, I would say leave. Go get your money boosted. Go to another job. <laughs> Don't be scared of being a contractor. That's where the money is made. Yep. And just go for it. Here is a question that I have. One of the three I was going to ask you. Because <laughs> I was talking to someone about this the other day. What would you say to somebody who, who would say to you, like, I just don't know if entrepreneurship is for me? Yeah, I think that each of us have had a million dollar idea, but only a small percentage of us are willing to even try it out. And so what I would tell people to do is nothing is permanent. That would be my mantra for if you think you can be an entrepreneur or can't be an entrepreneur. And you can always spend just a little bit of cash just to see your concept see if it there's interest in it Mm -hmm. you can put five dollars behind facebook ads without having literally anything in your pocket and just like building a facebook page just to see if there's interest tiktok is huge Um, (laughs) you can just like make it an a prototype for your idea but i think the reason why a lot of us never try is because we think that we're going to be stuck in something we hate And I want to say that you don't. And pivoting is always an option. I'm the queen of pivoting. And you have a ton of resources at your fingertips. Oh, I love that. Okay, last question. (laughs) Uh, What advice would you give someone for incorporating their spirituality like across the board and their experiences? I would say spirituality is such a buzz word right now. Well, it it means something very different to a lot of people. And I think the essence of spirituality is believing in something bigger than ourselves, whatever that looks like for you. 
And if there's something that you are just trying to control and not letting go of, and you consider yourself a spiritual person, then put your faith in that thing that's bigger than you and just let go of control. And I think one of the most underrated things is talking to this thing that's bigger than you. Like I know there's journaling and there's all these different types of things, but giving the thing that's giving you the stress a voice dims it so much more and it makes you believe in whatever your spiritual essence is. So I would say surrender more Mm -hmm. and not everybody has to know that you have a spiritual practice as long as you know that you're doing that and you can bring that everywhere with you. You're, you've been given permission to (laughs) surrender, let go, talk to your spirit, whatever that looks like and bring him, her, they with you, wherever you go. Mm, I love that so much. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here and for doing this interview. Thank you for having me. Yes. Well, if you all are interested in finding any of those links, they are listed in the show notes. Thanks everyone again for being here, for coming to hang out and to hear these stories. Please go support Karishma and I am wishing you so much joy and luck and self-awareness on your own sacred adventure. Mm